I don't want you all to be fooled this morning. Brother Dolph just said all those nice things because this morning he left the house early and made me carry all the luggage from the second floor to my car and load it up myself. So take what he said with a grain of salt. <laughs> that, that is true. He did help me carry it up. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this meeting and uh, being here with you all. And I, w I want you to know how blessed you are. Uh, you're blessed to have this place. And there's a, <clears throat> there's a great spirit here. And uh, <clears throat> there's life here. <clears throat> and I guess I'm getting a little emotional because some of us have been in churches that are dying. And uh, <clears throat> I've been blessed last week to be at Shiloh Primitive Baptist Church in Georgia where there's life. And the people are excited and they're trying to do better. And then to come here and <clears throat> to experience it again has been very uplifting to me. And thank you for having me. <clears throat> Appreciate the hospitality. and You have a great pastor, Brother Dolph, and his wife, Sister Deborah, have been so gracious to us and great hosts, and Sister Emma as well. And you are blessed to have him and his family and the vision that he has. <clears throat> and I would encourage you to keep following him <clears throat> because where there is no vision, the people perish. And I don't want you all to perish. I want you to be here because it, it gives me comfort in my heart to know that there are others out there that believe in the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've talked about a few groups already this weekend. We've talked about the Jews. And the Jews were blessed. They were favored because they were uh, given the law of God. God had revealed himself to them. But they blew it because of their sinful nature. And God would eventually turn his back on them and we saw through the Old Testament that he was giving us clues that another group of people would be allowed to enter in called the Gentiles and we looked at some of those verses in the Old Testament that were pointing to the Gentiles coming to the church and then we saw how Jesus Christ uh, treated the Gentiles and how indeed they were they were led in and then last night we talked about the Samaritans who were half Jews uh, and half Gentiles. There were mixed breeds, and they were lukewarm for the Lord, and the Lord didn't like that. And there, we couldn't find anything positive at all in the Old Testament written about the Samaritans, but a better day was coming for the Gentiles and the Samaritans, and it came with Jesus Christ, and we saw how Jesus Christ allowed both of these uh, groups of people into the church. And our main subject last night was the woman at the well who was a Samaritan, who was so taken with Jesus Christ and convicted that he was the Christ, that she went into town and she told everybody, come and see a man, come and see a man, his name is Jesus, come and see. The last group I want to talk to you about this weekend, is, uh, as we narrow it, is a, a specific group of people, and they're called eunuchs. And you may have read that term in the Old Testament and it's, it's mentioned in the, the New as well, these people called uh, the eunuchs. And the eunuchs had a, a job and a position. They usually worked for people of, of higher power, such as kings or queens. And the, the eunuchs, most of them had a, a, a physical condition that I need to mention to you. Now just let me develop something. Don't, don't think I'm weird. 
but I need to tell you the condition they had. Uh, they were castrated, okay? They were castrated. If you don't know what castrated means, it means that they had their manhood removed. And if you need me to get, I don't want to get any plainer than that, okay? And if you still don't understand what I'm talking about, you need to just ask your neighbor or something. I don't want to, you know, the, the preacher is supposed to use acceptable words, right? Acceptable words. That's acceptable, I believe. And that's the condition uh, that these folks were in. They were castrated because oftentimes they would help the king or the queen change clothes or bathe. And they didn't want their sexual desires to get in the way of uh, the duty that they were supposed to do. So they were they were castrated. So uh, to start, turn, turn your Bibles to uh, everyone's favorite book in the Bible, which is Leviticus. Go ahead and turn over. <laughs> turn to Leviticus in chapter 21. And we're going to see some, some interesting uh, standards that the Lord had for the priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood. Okay? Leviticus chapter 21 Verse 16. Now, as we're reading through these, I want you to keep some of these in your mind because they're going to connect to the, to the later half of the sermon. So, uh, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 16 said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Hey, Levi and Lila, go back to mommy right now. Go. Go. Saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, hath a blemish, he shall not approach to offer bread. A blind man, keep that in mind, blind man, or a lame, or he that hath a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed. Broken-handed, or crook-backed, or a dwarf, or that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or his stones, or hath his stones broken. Okay, y'all know what that's referring to? All right. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go in unto the veil, nor come nigh to the altar. Okay, I want you to remember that. Nor come nigh unto the altar, because he hath a blemish that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I the Lord do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron and to his sons and to all the children of Israel. So the Lord to the priesthood says, if any man has these conditions, they cannot come to the altar to offer sacrifice. And this is for the priesthood. So would you agree with me then if... This is the rule for the priesthood. Do you think the people of Israel that were not involved in the priesthood, if they had any of these conditions, do you think they were allowed to come to the altar? The answer is no. They certainly wouldn't be. If the priests couldn't do it, if they had these conditions, they couldn't come to the altar. 
What about someone who was not even in the tribe of Israel and they had some of these conditions? Do you think they would be allowed to come to the altar to offer sacrifice? The answer is no. So we have this big group, and specifically these priests, if they had any one of these conditions, they couldn't come to the altar, I want you to remember the altar, to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. And there was one condition there that talked about uh, their stones being broken, and we'll get more detail as we go to Deuteronomy. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1. Chapter 23 and verse 1. And remember the condition of the eunuch. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. So the Lord in his law gives a law that says if a man is in this condition... They could not come into the congregation of the Lord. You know, God doesn't like this. God doesn't like when a man is in this condition. And I do want to make the comment before we go any further that unfortunately we live in a society where men don't know if they're men and women don't know if they're women. And it's just the most bizarre thing you could ever think of. That's my opinion anyway. And I tell you what, there's men out there that are going out into this world and having this procedure done to themselves. And I want to tell you this morning that the Lord does not like it. And the Lord said, if any man is in this uh, condition, they are not to be allowed into the congregation of the Lord. And you might think to yourself, well, that's pretty harsh. You might think to yourself as you read the Old Testament law and you read the punishments uh, that were given to God's people if they transgressed, you may think that was pretty tough. You know, if a child in the Old Testament was disobedient to their parents and the parents took that child to another group and that child remained disobedient, do you know what they did to that child? They stoned that child to death. Well, that's pretty hard, isn't it? Well, aren't you glad this morning that we don't live under the Old Testament law? I'm glad because I probably wouldn't be here. You know, I probably wouldn't have been stoned years ago. Would have been stoned. Some of you all may have been stoned. Maybe you were rebellious children too. I'm glad we live under a, a better church, a better covenant. But God was tough with the nation Israel. Why? Because the nation of Israel was a, a, a childish country. It was brand new and it needed harsh punishment. Just like uh, a, a children that, that we're raising, okay, when they're children uh, and they don't have a, a brain that's fully developed and they're not listening, you know what they will listen to? Oh, they'll listen to a spanking. And we need not spare the rod. We need to give them those because they're not smart enough to reason. And isn't it sad when you see a, a parent trying to reason with a child? Oh, give it up, people. Give it up. They'll understand something. It's called a smack on the backside. You know, but there is coming a time when my kids, Lord willing, if they'll get older and they'll become teenagers and young adults, they might still go astray and go against God's word and, and what I would suggest. And you know what? I'm not going to spank them anymore because they're mature. And the church of Jesus Christ today, the New Testament church, ought to be a little bit more mature than what this baby nation Israel was. So God was harsh in the Old Testament, but he was harsh for a reason. And there's scenes in the Old Testament that are, are quite incredible. When you think about Moses, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he got, he got the law of God. And, and boy, what, wasn't that a scene? 
Uh, it was dark and there was, there was smoke and there was thundering and there was lightning and there was bounds placed on the people. If a person were to come to the mount and touch the mount, they were to be stoned to death. Even if a beast were to come to that mountain and touch it, that beast was to be stoned to death. And God was just painting a picture there and he was showing us how separate God is from man. That's what he was showing us. He was showing us how awesome the law is, how great and pure and holy it is, and he was also showing us how man could not keep it. And doesn't the Old Testament bear true of that? Doesn't the New Testament bear true of that? That man just cannot keep the law. That his ways are so much higher than our ways, and that tells me this, that the eunuchs, the Gentiles, the Jews, and you and I needed a Savior. We needed someone to come and keep the law and to provide himself a perfect and pure and holy sacrifice. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. We see through the Old Testament, as we already mentioned, Israel was given the law. The Jews were given the law. They had every benefit. And as they began to fail time and time again, we see in the scriptures that, that uh, the Lord would eventually work in the Gentiles. He would eventually work in the Samaritans. And we also see in God's word these eunuchs that were outcasts, that were looked down upon, that were frowned upon. God would start to work these people into. There's a very entertaining story in the Bible. And it's about King Yehu, or Jehu, or Jehu. We've had a lot of discussions about that. <laughs> Let's just go, I'm going to go with Yehu. If Brother Dolph goes with Jehu, or Jehu, that's, I'm going to go with Yehu, because the Bishop Blanchard in Winter Garden, he really got on to me in a Bible study. He said, it's Yehu, it's Yehu. And I, okay, so I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with him. Okay, Yehu, King Yehu, all right? He was chosen by God to be king, and he was given a very interesting task. His task that the Lord gave him was to go and to clean up the house of Ahab. Ahab was wicked, and his wife was wicked, that old Queen Jezebel. Wasn't she a piece of work? She was something. She had killed the Lord prophets. She was a terrible, wicked person. And the Lord said unto to Yehu, go and, and clean up the house of Ahab, which includes that wicked queen Jezebel. And he rides to Jezebel's castle. And Jezebel is up there in the window. And uh, there's some other people up there. And uh, uh, Yehu yells up to those people and he says, who's with me? I'm here to do the Lord's work. Who's with me? And the Bible said that there was two or three men up there, and uh, they pretty much said, we are, and they took Queen Jezebel, and they threw her out the window. Well, what do you think about that? Is that pretty entertaining for you? I think that's pretty, pretty entertaining. You know, people love to be entertained, right? We love it. We like to turn the TV on. We like to get Netflix going and all the other programs and, and put a ball game on for entertainment. You know, if you want some real entertainment, just get in this book. That's an entertaining story. Here's Queen Jezebel, and she's been thrown off uh, the castle and splat. Splat. There she is. She's dead. You know what? And that's not even my favorite detail of that story. <laughs> the favorite detail of that story to me is uh, Yehu goes into the castle and he gets himself something to eat. He's a savage, my friends. 
Think about it. He just saw this lady plummet to her death and splatter on the ground. And you know what he did right after that? He got himself something to eat. So he finishes his meal and he says, well, you better go clean her up. You know, you better go bury her. They go out to bury her and there's nothing but bones there because the dogs ain't eating her flesh, which was a prophecy, by the way, and it came true. Isn't that a great story? But you know those two or three men that were up there? You know who they were? They were eunuchs. Isn't that something? Here's two or three eunuchs doing the Lord's work by taking care of the house of Ahab and taking care of Queen Jezebel. Isn't that interesting? I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting. <clears throat> I, think that, I think it's interesting when uh, Jeremiah, you know, the prophet Jeremiah, and he had a rough ministry, okay? I don't think he had one convert. He had it rough. And, uh, you know, we complain a lot as ministers. We do. You know, Brother Dolph has been hearing my complaints all weekend. All weekend. He's, we tend to complain. We tend to complain. And you know what? I really have it great compared to Jeremiah. I really have it great compared to him. And here's Jeremiah, and he warns the people of Jerusalem. He says, y'all better get out of here because the, the Babylonian army is going to come and, and, and take it over, and you need to flee. You need to go to the Chaldeans. Why was he telling the people this? Because God had told Jeremiah to tell them, and that's exactly what Jeremiah was doing. And you know what they did to Jeremiah? You know what they did to Jeremiah for telling the truth? They took Jeremiah and they threw him into a dungeon. Isn't that something? Oh, we need to pray that that doesn't happen in America. And, and some of you might sense it coming. I, I kind of sense it a little bit. I think it might, might happen one day in this country. We're getting closer and closer to it. It's happening in Canada, right up north. It's happening in the country right above us. So don't think it can't happen here. We need to keep fighting, my friends. We need to keep praying and we need to keep fighting that that doesn't happen here. Because Jeremiah was placed in a dungeon for telling the truth. But thank the Lord that there was a man called Abimelech. And Abimelech uh, came and, and, and petitioned the king and said, look, this man has been thrown into prison and uh, he didn't do anything wrong and he needs to be taken out of there. And he was in a dungeon and uh, the king granted him his request and he sent 30, man, 30 men with him and these men went and they busted Jeremiah out of prison and they created a rope and they dangled it down to him and he... He put his uh, arms into it, and they pulled him out of that dungeon. You know, that's a great story, too, that Jeremiah was busted out of prison. Woo! That's entertaining. You know, all these shows just steal from the Bible anyway, right? You ever notice that? We were watching, I put Willow on. You all remember Willow? That was popular when I was a kid, Willow, about the little people. And, and Willow, in Willow, there was a, a baby born... And there was a midwife, and the midwife, they wanted to kill the baby, and the midwife takes the baby, and then the midwife puts the baby in a river. Where do you think they stole that from? Sound like Moses to you? So anyway, all, you know, this, here's Jeremiah. They, this happens in movies all the time. There's jailbreak. They bust him out of there. Abedmelech did that. You know who Abedmelech was? You know who he was? Go ahead and guess. He was a eunuch. Isn't that something? Here's a eunuch, a, an outcast of Israel, and he's doing the Lord's work, and he's busting one of the Lord's prophets out of prison. That's something, isn't it? Because the Bible here is telling us, and it's, the God's word is teaching us, that a better day was coming for the eunuchs. A better day was coming, and God had already started to use them. Go with me to um, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah.
You know, I think this is, I think we've been to the book of Isaiah every message. The book of Isaiah is fantastic. When you get a chance, go ahead and read it yourself. Read the whole thing through. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 56, a better day is coming for the, for the eunuchs. A better day is coming. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 4 says, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths. Are you listening? Thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths. And choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house. And within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Isn't that something? God is saying to these eunuchs, to these outcasts, there's a better day coming. And I'm going to give them a name above other names, above names of sons and daughters. You know what that sounds like to me? That God is going to make these eunuchs heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The better day is coming. Also, the sons of the stranger, and, and this is referring to the Gentiles that we spoke of. Also, the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him. And to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. See, this is a better mountain than of that of Mount Sinai. Remember we just talked about Mount Sinai? Where man couldn't approach, man couldn't touch. And you know what, my friends? A better mountain was coming and it came in the form of the church of Jesus Christ. A mountain, a place where all of God's children are welcome uh, despite the sin that they might be in. If they're willing to turn and to repent and to be baptized and to come in and to worship, they are now allowed into this holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. Remember how they couldn't come to the altar before? Now they could come to the altar. And their offerings and their sacrifices will now be accepted because a better day was coming. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. That's what the church is, my friends. It's a house of prayer for all of God's children. It's a welcoming place. It's a place where the Lord's people need to be. The Lord God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet I will gather others to me besides those that are gathered to him. He says, the outcasts are going to be welcome. The eunuchs will now have a place to come. The Gentiles and the Samaritans, the outcasts of Israel, will now be allowed to come into the Lord's house and to present themselves, to present themselves a living sacrifice. A better day was coming, and it came with Jesus Christ. Romans 2.10 says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. See the division, my friends, that you can clearly see in the Old Testament is being done away with in the New Testament church, in this place where you sit this morning. And it's a glorious sight. It's a glorious thing that no matter where you come from or where you've been, if the Lord has put it into your heart and into your mind to come out and to do better and to serve him, you are welcome 
in his church. A better day was coming and it came with Christ. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And it came when Jesus came and he would show it in the way that he treated other people. Remember one of the conditions in, the, uh, in that scripture in Leviticus that we read about if someone had a blemish of skin, someone had a blemish of skin, uh, they were not allowed to come to the altar. They weren't allowed to come to the altar. Well, what is that altar? Or should I say, who is that altar? In the book of Hebrews, we'll see that the early Christians were criticized. They were criticized by the Jews. One of the reasons they were criticized was because they didn't have an altar to offer up sacrifice. And Paul, in the book of Hebrews, makes this statement. He says, we have an altar. You know who the altar is? The altar is Jesus Christ. He is the altar. He is the showbread. He is the candlestick. He is the tabernacle of the Old Testament worship. He is the great and mighty high priest. That whole Old Testament way of worship was pointing directly to Jesus Christ. And Paul in the book of Hebrews says, wait a second, we have an altar. We have an altar. He is the altar and he is the sacrifice. And we also are supposed to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto him. Now, in the Old Testament, if you had a blemish, you weren't able to come to the altar. And here's Jesus Christ. He's preaching one of the greatest sermons, probably the greatest, that has ever been preached on this earth. And he comes down from the, from the mount, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he comes down, and here comes a leper. A leper who had a blemish of skin. And this leper approaches Jesus Christ. And does Jesus turn him away? Does Jesus say, no, I will not? No, Jesus says, come, and he puts his hand on that leper, and he's cleansed. The leper that could not approach in the Old Testament came to the altar, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus cured him right there. Isn't that something? How about the blind man? Remember, that was another thing that we just read in Leviticus. The blind men could not come to the altar to offer sacrifice. And here's this blind man, and Jesus goes to him, and Jesus spits in the ground. Isn't that something? He spits, and he creates mud. And he places it on the eyes of the blind man, and that blind man receives sight after he washed it off. Isn't that something? See, in this case, the altar, who is Christ, the altar went to the blind man. The altar came to him. Oh, that's great. There's a better day coming. And it came with Jesus Christ right here. This blind man who was cast away. How about the man with a withered hand? Remember that story? The man came to, to Christ and he had a withered hand. And Jesus blessed that man and made the withered hand as the other. In the Old Testament, if you had a withered hand, if you were broken-handed or broken-footed, you could not approach the altar. And here we have in the New Testament where we see Jesus go to the man with the withered hand. This man comes to the altar, the altar comes to him, and Jesus Christ cures him of his disease. It's absolutely amazing. How about those that were lame? If you were lame, if you couldn't walk, if you had a weakness of that sort, you couldn't come to, to offer and here's this lame man, and he's, he's sitting at a, at, a, at a pool of water, the pool of Bethesda. And a, an angel would trouble the water uh, every year, and the first person to get into the water would be cured of this disease. But this man had a problem, you see, because he couldn't walk. 
He couldn't get into the water to be cured. And Jesus came to him and said, well, why don't you get in there? Why don't you get in there? And the thing is, the, the fact of the matter is people would, would step over him time and time again to beat him to the punch. Have you ever been stepped over? Have you ever been stepped on? Have you ever been ignored? Because that's the situation that this man was in at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus came to him. The altar came to him and said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And that's exactly what that man did. Isn't that something? Oh, that's a great miracle. And that's the power that our Savior has. A better day was coming. And there it was with Jesus Christ. This morning, you're in a better place. You're actually in the best place you possibly can be. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. You remember that mountain we talked about a little bit already? Mount Sinai, Moses came down, there was thundering, there was lightning, there was rain. Man couldn't approach, there was bounds placed on them. And as we go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, we see that we are come to someplace better. This morning, you're in someplace better. It says, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. Ye are come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion means a parched place. It means a place that's lifted up. And that's what the Lord's church should be. We shouldn't be downcast. We shouldn't be discouraged all the time. We shouldn't be depressed. We're in a place this morning that is high and is lifted up. And unto the city of the living God. This place, this church, this morning is called the city of the living God. And aren't you glad that God's alive? Aren't you glad this morning that he's not dead? Aren't you glad as you see this uh, world turning more wicked and more wicked that we could still go to Jesus Christ, know that he's alive and could help heal us and protect us, that he is alive and living this morning, that he's in glory, that he's set at the right hand of the Father, that he sits down at the right hand of the Father, and that he stands up to defend his children like he did with Stephen. Isn't that something? Oh, I take great comfort in knowing that our Jesus is alive today. We've come to the city of the living God. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the heavenly Jerusalem that has come out of heaven. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It is not a kingdom that is going to be set up when Jesus comes again where we'll live for another thousand years. Why would we do that? Why would Jesus give us another opportunity to live more godly? We've blown it enough, haven't we? The Jews have blown it. The Gentiles have blown it. The Samaritans have blown it. The eunuchs have blown it. And you and I have blown it. We don't want to spend any more time here, do you? And the Bible is clear. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be caught up with him in the air. The kingdom is going up. It's not coming down again. The the, the kingdom has come down in the form of the church which we're in right now. That's the heavenly Jerusalem and and to the innumerable company of angels. Do you ever think about that as you're worshiping? Do you ever think about how that the Lord's angels desire to look in to the things that we do here with worshiping worshiping the Lord and that there are angels in the building? Do you ever think about that? It's very interesting. And that's where we've come. We've come to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn, which is Christ which are written in heaven. Which are written in heaven. Do you ever think about that? 
Do you know this morning that your name is written in heaven? Do you know that your eternal salvation is taken care of and it's secure? That your name is written in heaven and it's not going anywhere? It's not written on a blackboard that can be erased? It's not written on a PowerPoint presentation that could be lost or deleted? Your name is written in heaven in permanent ink. It's not going anywhere. There's nothing anyone can do or say. There's nothing you can do or say to lose that great blessing. That name is written there and it's been secured based on the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And to the God and judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Is the church just an ordinary place? Is it just a place that we should slump into every Sunday morning and say, it's just another day at church? I don't think so. It's something much better than oftentimes we think. And when the Lord's here and we're of all one mind and we're in unison and we're singing songs and lifting up prayers and the Lord blesses the preacher to preach, there's no better place on earth. Have you ever been lifted up unto Mount Zion? I have. Oh, and there's nothing like it. There's no feeling on earth like it when the Lord is here blessing us together to worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, I was at a meeting in Arkansas and I shared time with Brother Dickie Hobby Walks and I took the first, the first half hour and I felt the Lord blessed and I came and I, I sat down and Brother Dickie got up. Oh, and he preached a sermon called Grace for Sinners. Grace for Sinners. And it was so powerful. And it only took him 23 minutes, 23 minutes. And I was sitting a few, I was sitting a few rows back. And by the time he came down, my head was dropped and I was just bawling, uncontrollable tears. And brother Carl Staten comes, comes to the front. He's the pastor. And he's a big fella. He's a tough man, you know. And men shouldn't be crying, right? Men shouldn't be crying. And I look up. And I'm in tears, and there's Brother Carl, and he's looking right at me. And he's in tears, too. And I looked at him in the eyes, and I just nodded. And he nodded at me. Because we knew that the Lord was in the building. And there's no better feeling than that, my friends. For the child of God, there is no better place than the church. In the general assembly of the Lord's people, the church of the living God, don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. And embrace it every time that you have a chance to come here. Because it's worth more than all the gold and silver this world has to offer. Well, let's bring this full circle. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Because we have a eunuch here in the New Testament. And the eunuch had gone up for the Passover. And he's coming back on his chariot from Jerusalem. And the Lord told Philip, the Lord told Philip, go join thyself to that chariot. Go to that chariot. I want you over there. You know what that shows me? That that chariot was moving. That chariot was moving. And sometimes we need to get moving too. Sometimes we need to do what the Lord tells us to do. And we need to get moving ourselves. And here's this eunuch, and he's in this chariot, and he's reading from Isaiah. He's got a portion of the Old Testament, and he's having a hard time understanding. 
And we pick up in verse 34, and it says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know, that's just a good uh, tip for us all as we're reading through the Old Testament. If you have a hard time reading through the Old Testament, which some portions are hard, just look for Jesus. Look for Jesus in the Old Testament because those scriptures testify of him. Look for Christ. And that's what Philip does here with this eunuch. He took the scripture that he had and he began preaching Christ to him. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Oh, and this would have been the perfect place if there was a hindrance. This would have been the perfect place for Philip to say to the eunuch, Well, let's go over to Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And let's read those scriptures where it's, it talks about men that are in your condition. Well, they're not allowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord. If that was a, an appropriate time, it would have been right now. But a better day was coming, and it had came with Jesus Christ. And Philip did not say those things. What he did say in verse 37, he said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. See, it doesn't have to be a complicated thing when it comes to joining the church. Brother Dolph does not have to uh, drill you on the articles of faith and to see if you could master all of those. All Philip said right here was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's good enough for a baptism. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. The chariot has stopped now. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Isn't that awesome? We've come full circle here. This eunuch, this outcast of Israel, was now allowed to be baptized and to join the Lord's church. Praise the Lord. And I want to ask you this morning, are you an outcast? Are you a sinner? Are you not as smart as everybody? Is there something this morning that is different about you? Are you not as good looking as everyone is? Do you think that about yourself? Are you discouraged about who you are? Uh, do you feel that you're a sinner? Are you convicted of your sins this morning? If you feel that way, if you feel to be an outcast, but you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, this church is the place for you. If you are convicted of that this morning, you need to come and be baptized. Because let me tell you something, I'll be like Philip. There's water out there. I saw a baptistry out there. There's water out there. You need to take that cover off and people need to come and join the church and be baptized and set a spark to this place. Because if a Christian will be set on fire, people will come to watch him burn. Oh, there's nothing like a baptism, is there? I've never been to one that was, was emotionless or, or spiritless. It always just thrills my soul to see a sinner be convicted of their sins and know that this place is a hospital for sinners. And if you feel that way this morning, you need to come up and join this church. That's who Jesus Christ dined with. Who did he dine with? He dined with publicans and with sinners. And the religious leaders of the day criticized him for that. But he said, that's why I've come here. He's the great physician. And this church this morning, you know what it is? It's a hospital for sinners. If you feel unworthy to follow Christ, this is the exact place where you need to be. Because you are unworthy. And that's what grace is. 
Did you notice that in the scriptures he only gives eyesight to the blind? Did you notice in the scriptures that he only gives strength to those that have none? Do you notice in the, the, the scriptures that, uh, that the only hands he healed were those that were with her? Do you know, he only give, you know he only gives grace to the disgraced? He only gives grace to the disgraced. Are you convicted that you're a sinner? Because in the words of Brother Dickey, if all we have is pretend sinners, we just have a pretend church. Think about that for a while. If all we have is pretend sinners, then all we have is a pretend church. Are you convicted of your sins? Are you an outcast in the land of Israel? Are you an outcast in the land of Roanoke? Are you? Are you looked down upon, but yet feel Jesus Christ in your heart? If that's the case, you're exact. Welcome home. Welcome home. Do you know anyone out there in your, in your work life, your school life, your personal life that's not here this morning that feel to be an outcast? If you do, you need to tell them about this place. And to tell them and encourage them to come and, and cast all their cares upon the Lord. And to come here for healing. That's what the church is. It's a place of healing. It's not a place to fight. It's not a place to bicker. It's not a place to get your own way. And boy, it thrills my heart of the, the changes that are going on here and the improvements that you are all trying to make. And you're not all going to agree on everything. And that's okay. That's okay. Because at the end of the day, you worship Jesus Christ. You don't worship improvements. You worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no room for improvement because he's the best. He's the perfect, the spotless, the sinless Lamb of God. If you're a sinner and you feel convicted of this, if you feel like this place is your home and you want to serve him, please join the church. Join the church. I beseech you. I beseech you. I'll use a biblical term. I'll beseech you. If you haven't joined this place, come and join it. You won't regret it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so kind to my family and giving me this opportunity to proclaim the good news, the best news, and to share with you what Christ has done for me. May the Lord bless you. Praise as well, for great is thy name, Jesus.